All right, here we go. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 31, lucky number 31 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, January 25, 2017. Already a month into January, and I haven't done jack diddly shit. How are you doing? Neither have I. I haven't done jack shit either. Uh, I've even, like, kind of... Like, I'm trying to do a marathon of Peter Weller movie reviews for my channel, but then, like, I've gotten busy with other stuff and trying to make money because I don't really have a job. So I'm trying to do stuff around the house. And my mom's asking me to do, like, clean up the branches and pine cones in the front and the backyard. I helped her take in some cans to uh, the can return, you know, the place where you redeem cans, pop cans and stuff for money. Uh, there isn't one in Vancouver because for some stupid reason, Portland, Oregon, you know, Oregon was like, oh, no more for Vancouver. And also, oh, you, you, did you like uh, going to Winco or to the supermarket to return your cans? Not anymore. You have to go to a state-governed, uh, uh, you know, uh, put-together can return place. It's a pain in the ass. Is it called the can, but- is it called the can coalition? No, it's called something else. Should be. Uh, it's like the Oregon something can whatever. I don't. I don't return whatever. I don't even know the exact name. But made about twenty five bucks, so it was cool. And uh, so yeah, and I've sold a few things from my collection on a Facebook group uh, to make a little bit of extra cash. And I've been starting to. I filled out a few applications online and. I'm going to try to get an appointment with the Washington State University to see what's going on with financial aid and what's going on with what uh, I can do for the next term after this current term because I can't do this current term, of course, because I want to get into the film studies program. So, you know, so it's not a lot, but hey, it is what it is. I hope I get a job soon. That's the main thing. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I mean, you know, if you need any extra cans, I can always mail some to you. <laughs> Coke Zero can. I, dude, I go, yeah. through like, I go through like four 12-packs of Coke Zero a week, so, <laughs> I mean, you got a lot of cans coming your way if you want them. I mean, that's like, nah. that's like high-tech homelessness right there, people like <laughs> mailing you cans. For you to uh... yeah yeah the thing is I'm not that desperate so because um, yeah I sold a few things already on online so and I got some other stuff I could sell later so dude that is the worst that is the worst feeling having to sell stuff that you don't really want to sell just because well, you need money I'm selling stuff now that I do want to sell so that's Uh-oh. the thing I sell doubles. Oh, so yeah, uh, I don't I don't sell stuff unless it, I sell something either I don't want, and I don't care if it was a little bit rare because on this group it's a DVD uh, and uh, Blu-ray and VHS and Laserdisc collectors group and they also sell things, and I want to sell it. So I'm not the guy who's going to be like, oh, I want all the whole eBay Amazon price. I know I'm not going to get it for the most part. So it's price to move. <laughs> It's like just get this out of here. I need the money now, dude. I remember when, uh, I, when I lived on my own, I was trying, I was needing money, so I had like these three like full 
full-blown German language courses on CD, and they were like 16 CDs per course, uh-huh. and they co- the courses cost like 150 bucks each, and I was like, oh man, because uh, I already used them, I already like went through them, but like it would still be nice to have them right now, just to touch uh-huh. up on my German, and I sold them on eBay, and they sold easily because they're, they're popular courses, Pimsleur language CDs yeah. or whatever, but my stupid ass before selling them, did not think to rip them. To make on copies. T- yeah. yeah. Did not think to do that, dude. It just totally blew my mind to do that. So, didn't do it. So, if I want them again, I either got to buy them or, or um, download them um, yeah, in yeah, not-so-legal yeah. ways, uh, <laughs> which I do, do not advocate legally. Um, I don't know if I even am required to say that. I don't fucking know. Do what you want. I'm not here to tell you people how to live your life. But honestly... Um, I think I released my German food video in 2017 of, of January. I did a few vlogs, but that's nothing impressive. Which, by the way, if you'd like to see any of that content, it's youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. And if you want to see Mike's content, because he just did a video about a movie called, uh, what was it, Wise Guys or some shit where you reviewed it? Troublemakers? Wise guys. Was it what? Troublemakers? It was Zach. Masterminds. Masterminds. Okay, yes, you just did a movie review on that. Uh, he's youtube.com slash OCP communications. So if you want more Mike and Josh, you can find us on there. Thank you for like all the, the surge of uh, good iTunes reviews lately. We got like yeah, two absolutely. in a row that were like five stars and um, just, I don't know, people becoming more aware of our podcast in general. That's awesome. Um, I like the one where somebody said that they congratulated us for maybe like pushing the uh, John and Terry in the right direction to like finally get this done and get the show on Amazon. Oh, on and, streaming. And, and yes, that brings me to a, my next point here. You bring up something interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, did you notice something funny on Amazon Prime in the last few days? I don't know! A little show called Unsolved Mysteries with the original host, Robert Stack! Something we've all wanted for like the past fucking ten years! It's, Woo! It's there! It is fucking there! And the Stack no, is back! Stack is back, baby! And, and it's not some bullshit, uh, you know, uh, they didn't fuck it up. They didn't touch no. it. In fact, they dusted it off, and now it looks all clean and pretty, and it yeah. sounds great, and it fucking looks great. And here it is, Unsolved Mysteries in front of my eyeballs. Complete episodes, not segment VHS rips. The whole episode intact with the Robert Stack cutscenes as he introduces the next segments. The music's there. I mean, everything. The graphics, the graphics that cut. You know, from uh, one uh, segment to the next. Yes, it's all and the there. Commercial break thing. It's yeah. beautiful. It's it's such it a is. fan service. It's such it's it, that's all it is. If you look at it, there is no reason why they should have done any of that, leaving that stuff in, but for the fans, but for the people yeah. who had been complaining and advocating for this show to come back for so long. Well, even the people who bought the DVD sets weren't. A lot of them were disappointed by it because they're like, these are just segments and this doesn't really feel like Unsolved Mysteries because it doesn't have, you know, the intro and and the graphics and, you know, all of that. I, and, when uh, I got that box set, I was willing to take what the fuck I could get, okay? So yeah, I, was, I was happy yeah. with it. I was happy, you know, but at the same time, some people, I could see why they're like, 
Why can't we have the full episode? It's not the full experience. The box set was not the full experience, and as someone pointed out, oh, that's another thing. I did a review on the Ultimate Collection, the thing we're always talking about. It's on our Facebook page somewhere, which is facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. If you want to be a fan, I highly suggest it. We've been posting a lot of stuff on there lately that uh, is exclusive to, to that to the Facebook page. Um not as exclusive as what you're going to get on our Patreon, though, which is patreon.com slash uncovering unsolved mysteries, which is even more exclusive stuff. But no, I was so impressed with the job that they did on the new old reve- uh, the show with Robert Stack yeah, on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it blew me away when I first saw the quality of the episodes. I was like... This looks better than it probably looked when it broadcast on TV. Oh, absolutely it probably it did because you you got to figure everyone was watching it on CRTVs back in the day and they weren't getting that kind of crisp uh, as crisp of a picture. The I don't sound think- is the thing that I think that really stands out. Yeah. And uh it even stands out in a good way if you're just using headphones because sometimes you know, when I'm watching stuff late at night, sometimes I just want to, you know, I don't want to wake up my parents. So I'm just like, and then that way I can have it as loud as I want. Do you turn it up to max volume so you I, have the full Robert Stack experience in your head? Well, I don't have it max volume because that'd be a bit too much. But uh, I do kind of turn it up to 11 in a lot of ways. But uh, the main thing is the, the music, it just... It, the VHS strips and all the other segments and even some of the DVDs, the sound wasn't as good on the DVDs as it is on these, to be honest. You know, it's going to sound, uh, it's going to sound, it's going to make me sound like a basic bitch, but, um, I could honestly like, I'm not going to say I could care less because like I, I do appreciate the, uh, I'm, I'm more appreciative of the fact that the entire segment is available rather than all the cleanups and all that. That was an added bonus. That was a cherry on top, but I'm just glad they're out there now. Hell, if they were at 480p or if they were still kind of fuzzy, I well, still... I probably, yeah, I mean, I'm probably still... They're kind of close to that anyway, probably. But to be honest, it's better... It's good business. It's not a good idea nowadays, especially in the age of the internet to go in and release some subpar meh product. That's yeah. really not a good idea at all. Because you got a bunch and of people out there where it has to be in 1080. It has to be this. It ha- it, yeah. like, they, it, they're so anal about, well, oh, I bought, this, this looks old. Yeah. I don't well, want to watch yeah, it. I mean, yeah, at the same time. But, I mean, really, sometimes it gets kind of bad, though, and I don't think it's acceptable to have something that's average or below average when it comes to, you know... Uh, putting a show out there or releasing a DVD set like the Mad Max High Octane collection I bought. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. Uh, there's There was a documentary on there that looked like it was recorded with a Nokia phone from back in the 2000s. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's... It's exaggerating, but it definitely didn't look 720 or 1080. It looked at best 360. Hey, sorry if you guys can hear any dogs barking in the background. That's my stupid, mentally handicapped dogs outside, and uh, they're just not going to stop. So just if you hear them, the, hey, that's... They're excited, too. They heard the news, and they're they're really happy. They probably the, heard me back, yelling. Back. And they heard me yelling, and they're probably like, danger? Danger? Make noise? Make noise constantly? Danger, so- Will Robinson. Danger. 
it's God. It's like he's literally right outside my window. Like Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Let down your hair. I don't. I, don't, I just minced whatever the fuck they got. Yeah, Rapunzel and uh, so. But yeah, it, it's great to have the show back. I can't wait for the next uh, seasons they're going to put up there. Uh, some of the episodes, some of the segments I had actually never seen before because some of them were not apparently not on the uh, series of uh, segments that Josh and I were watching uh, the show from. Very nice, Mike. That was a smooth landing on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Me too. That was exciting. That was cool. Yeah, there was definitely something I hadn't seen. And again, I can't stress the whole watching the, the show intact rather than just having yeah, the segments. Yeah, I literally was just giddy. Like, I, I just I, I felt like, you know... <laughs> You know that term? It's like, here's this giddy, he's as happy as a schoolgirl or something. You know, it's, yeah, it's true when it comes to this show. <laughs> but there are some injustices being done in the world when it comes to this show coming back. It's bittersweet for, for some countries, because as I understand, in Canada, yeah, Canada, still no access to the show. What a buzzkill. That sucks. Um... I don't know about Australia and England and the other English-speaking countries out there. I haven't heard. I don't know if they would get it either. Because I know there's just region-locking bullshit, which happens with DVDs and Blu-rays as well as streaming nowadays. Uh, I love how a lot of these studios are like, we want to stop piracy. We want to stop that's bad. But then most of the people that pirate overseas, they do it because they can't watch Netflix in the U.S. legally. Right. So what are they supposed to do? What can they do? Why don't you get up off get up off your lazy ass and create an alternative that's legal and better than torrenting or make it so somebody can actually watch the Netflix shows that they want and overseas. It's, it reminds me of like when MP3 downloading or Amazon. when MP3 downloading was hot back when LimeWire and Napster and Kazaa yeah. and Morpheus was all LimeWire. Now LimeWire is like you don't use that shit no, unless you want a that's virus. Instant AIDS for your computer. I mean, everybody knows that now. <laughs> but I mean, back in those days, like where where file sharing was really out of control. And then iTunes comes along and implements a way to pay for the for the digital downloads, and and the digital downloads, the sales of it skyrocket because you gave somebody, you gave people an option. Are there still going to be people pirating shit? Absolutely, there are. But the and here's the problem though: with digital downloads with movies, with MP3s, you can put them on your hard drive, you can burn them onto a CD, you can do whatever. Put them on an MP3 player. With uh, digital downloads for movies and TV shows, you can buy them, but from what I've seen so far, you can only watch them on the Windows Media Player on your computer, which is a shitty player to watch anything on, to be honest, or stream it through Amazon's app. That's well, your only option because of the, DR the DRM, the Digital Rights Management. So you can't put it on your, your flash drive and hook it up and watch it on your TV later. You can't do that. You can't make a copy of it either that you're not going to sell because the studios just, they don't trust you. They think you're just going to pirate everything. And, and there like, are some people who would, but... It's a, it's a, go, it's a constant push and pull, tug of war in this, in this kind of realm. It's kind of a gray area because in some areas I see where they're coming from, but in other areas I see where the consumer's coming from. And 
it's it's just one of those gray areas and it's going to remain that way it, it's it what it is it's it's the industry the it's me- stubbornness it's the media industry still holding on to that old business model yeah. that physical media and CDs and all that other kind of stuff they they still feel like that's the best way to go about making their money and they don't realize that they're just going to have to let go of the fact that they're just not going to be raking in the money from selling this stuff anymore and i don't want it to go away because i'm a huge collector so i mean that's another thing that's another argument is i love streaming and i love all that but you know if i could buy a physical dvd copy of of seasons and unsolved mysteries bet your bottom dollar i would oh yeah absolutely i would too (laughs) i mean back in the day before any of this stuff ever became a possibility before i ever thought i'd see unsolved mysteries with robert stack again I was thinking, man, if I ever get famous, if I ever have any kind of power influence, the first thing I'm doing, and dude, I was like 15 when I thought this. I was like, I'm going to contact John Cosgrove and Terry Moyer, and I'm going to use my star power to get their, their, because I just imagined in their office they had these like totes full of uh, VHS <laughs> tapes of the show. I'm like, I'm going to get them to uh, get, you know, turn those over to me, you know, <laughs> so I'll have it in my private collection. And then they went and did this, which is great. Now, if they can just be consistent about it, it and release 12 more seasons of Unsolved Mysteries on Amazon Prime. Don't do it just one season. That would be really disappointing. That would be really, that uh, would be, I mean, everyone. It, I don't see that happening with Film Rise, though, because look at what they did with Forensic Files. Now, it's not every episode, but they have this best of season collection stuff, and they have like 12 or 13, or they have a lot of those okay. on Amazon. And they're also on Netflix, so I'm, I'm hoping there is some hope that. Uh, it will be on Netflix too, because I think Netflix Canada. I don't know what's going on with Netflix in Canada, but I would think Netflix in Canada wouldn't be that much different than Netflix in the U.S. They are apparent. Well, I know they do differ because my friend in England, who does not listen to this podcast, um, there was a show about. Um, well, they- it's Netflix in England, yeah, but Canada is just so close to the U.S. I would think it wouldn't be too different. I know. I still think it's crazy that, like, if you send something across the border, like, there's all this, like, craziness involved with, like, tariffs and taxes. And it's like, dude, you know, you can send a package from fucking Maine to Jacksonville, Florida, and it's perfectly fine. You just pay the cost of shipping. But, oh, just a few few more uh, yards north, and you're in Canada, and, oh, now there's all this, you know, bullshit you got to go through. Yeah, Canadian shipping is brutal yeah it's like dude let's just let's just join together as one country Uh, canada look i get it you guys are cooler in so many ways uh politically and socially and everything than than the u.s um but you know honestly we're really not different in many ways you have a few food variances you have a few kind of languagey variants but let's just join together and become one country uh you're you're our hat as it is right now it's like america's hat is canada so so you know let's form a cohesive structure and have one unified amazon prime so morgan can watch (laughs) unsolved mysteries one of our valued patreons i felt so bad for her because i knew that she wanted to watch yeah i mean that's that's gotta suck that's that's the epitome of blue balls right there (laughs) i know right um (laughs) So anyway, it's back, and that's fantastic, and we're very happy about that. Um, it, the only thing I had a problem with it is the narrator guy they chose for the beginning just sounded pretty generic. They yeah, just got I mean, whatever guy they could. 
Of course, an open narration. Just for fun, of course, we can do some nitpicking. The narration was not the original narrator um, at the beginning of the original Unsolved Mysteries. The following events uh, being recreated, blah, 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 what you're about to see is not a news broadcast. It was a different narrator. Um, you know, the fact that they left that in, what you're about to see is not a news broadcast. That's totally a fan thing. Yeah, that's fan service right there. I mean, And then also they have updates too. So, And, you know. and this is another point I was going to make to like why they're probably going to release more seasons. Because it's like you might be thinking, oh, with the new updates, that's got to be a pain in the ass. Dude, the updates... Uh, the new updates are literally like this font that they just laid over. Yeah. They just freeze framed the last scene. I can do that with my Filmora video editor yeah, right now. <laughs> the, the, the new updates that they promise, they are there and they are appreciated, but it ain't not, no kind of like work went into creating those new update transitions. Well, what, what, are you gonna, what were you going to do? I mean, you're going to have Robert, Robert Stack can't narrate, you know, the I wish he'd, you know, come back from the free on the grave. Like, oh my God, he's alive! They could put his bones together and do like a, a like a puppet string thing and like a zombie zombie Robert Stack. Yeah, it'd be even spookier, just... you know. Back from the grave—that's totally disrespectful. I know. I feel but... I feel horrible for saying that. It was kind of funny though. I, I think it'd be awesome though. Like, you know, <laughs> it would be awesome. I don't think his family or anybody else would write off on that, but it would be a neat idea. Like, no, no, I'm not talking about the bones thing. I'm oh, talking like okay. if he literally came back from the dead, like zombie Robert Stack, and just you know, the the, yeah. the more I think about it, I really want to see the Unsolved Mysteries movie, like where where. But I mean, it's too bad it can never be done now. Where like Maybe you can do an anthology because now the more I think about it, the more I've been watching the show. The, and and it's been amazing just watching these segments again. I, I've seen them already, but watching them in this quality is like a whole nother thing. Yeah, it's like watching them again for the first time. Feels and like the first time. Feels like the very first time. Boom 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 boom. But anyway, so yeah, and uh, it does. It kind of plays out like an anthology. And I love anthology films. Uh, my favorite horror film is Creepshow. It's one of the first ones I ever saw. What exactly so, is an anthology film? Anthology film is where there's a there's a series of stories, uh, and they're loosely connected by a wraparound segment. So there's like a host or something, and then or there's like this sort of segment that wraps around all these different. It's it's inspired, at least the horror anthology is heavily inspired up by comics like Tales from the Crypt. And uh, also, you know, with the sci-fi stuff, it's inspired by Twilight Zone and TV shows and stuff like that. They're all different stories. They're, they're, they're not connected other than just being connected by the wraparound segment. Oh, I got you. Okay. So, well, I love anthology films because when you get a good one like Creepshow, um, it's like watching multiple great films all in one movie. But it's also high risk. Would Sin City and, be, consi uh, be considered an anthology? Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. A comic book anthology. Okay, but, I like that movie. Yeah, so, but they're high risk and they're high reward, but they all, their lows are really low. Because you can you see a, hor a, a really bad anthology... Man, that's one of some of the worst films I've ever seen. Because you're watching like multiple bad, shitty films back to back to back, all in one movie. It's it's really hard to watch. But uh, 
yeah, it does remind me when I watch this show because of, you know, there's re- the reenactments have actors. And so it's like watching an anthology show. So moving on, we have uh, an update that one of our um, that we got alerted to about the uh, Frederick Valentic Australian UFO thing. We try to do updates whenever we can. Uh, last uh, episode, we did a DB Cooper update, but um, since this is UFO related and paranormal related, uh, we are going to save this update for the uh, Patreon. So, and, and let me tell you, man, like this update. It kind of debunks everything. Like everything that was mentioned in in the Australian UFO case, it was explained and it was um, kind of broken down in a way to where it's like, oh, that's what happened. Okay, so uh, kind of the 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 thesis of the whole thing is Frederick Valentik was kind of a dumbass a little bit but more on that later uh if you want to subscribe to our patreon account i already told you a link it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries and we'll go into more of that there but um moving on to our first segment of the podcast here uh we have the one that mike chose and that i quickly agreed upon because i thought it was a great case too and it was well there were also some of our uh our fans yeah who also agreed with this choice as well in fact I guess I read one of uh, our fans' minds because she was like, I was going to ask you about that one. <laughs> it was like, I was gonna, I just saw that one and I was, she was going to, I think she was, a, she might have been a Patreon and she was like, I was going to request that. <laughs> so uh, this case is the case of Dottie Kaler. And Dottie Kaler was an agoraphobic, which is something that I thought stood out when it came to this segment. Because um, agoraphobia is pretty terrifying to me can you imagine that i can't imagine it might because i used to suffer from it oh yeah when i was in seventh grade when i at the kind of the height of my panic attacks that i was having um it it got to where my house became my safety zone and anytime i left my house i would have a panic attack um now it wasn't to the point of me being literally um like afraid of outside of my house as in some you know seeing the sky and trees and everything around me it just freaked me out but it was more of i'm leaving my comfort zone so it would yeah exactly panic attack and and i i was very limited to the things that i could actually do so yeah, yeah this, i totally this, get agoraphobia yeah this seems like it's uh similar to the type of agoraphobia that was on display in the film copycat which uh, to the fans of the show who are listening I recommend that film. It's got Sigourney Weaver in it. Uh, I think it's Holly Hunter. I think that's who that actress is. And uh, deals with a serial killer who's uh, basically copycatting all these infamous serial killers' crimes. And, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool film. Uh, Sigourney Weaver plays a criminal investigator who is an agoraphobic. And I thought the film did a good job showing... Uh, how terrifying the agoraphobia is for her. And you know what you can do with that movie, Mike? You haven't seen it. You can put it in the basket of movies Josh has never <laughs> seen. I'm surprised you haven't seen that one because it's true crime. It's kind of true crime related. Why would, why would you ever be surprised that I haven't seen a movie, honestly, at this point? Why would it, anything surprise I you? I guess, you know, it's just... I don't know. I thought maybe you had you know. a little bit of hope. Yeah, hope I got. I got to keep. I got to maintain some semblance of hope here. <laughs> um, but anyway, 
She's an agoraphobic. She was in a bad marriage with uh, Jewel Kaler, who is her husband. And he's a real character. Oh, we'll get to that motherfucker. And uh, she was so, this agoraphobia was so bad that she couldn't even get keep a job or do anything like that. Because she was just terrified of going outside her house. They didn't really explain why she was such an uh, acute agoraphobic, though. They didn't really explain that that much. Uh, it, that, I think that would be interesting to know what it was that caused it. Was it uh, was it anxiety like Josh, or was it was it something else? Uh, is it something she's always dealt with? Uh, it just it didn't seem like she always dealt with it. They, they kind of had that insinuated that it wasn't always a problem for her. Unsolved mysteries a lot of times won't give you uh, a whole lot of background on on certain people and for in certain kind of things going on. Um, and, and I think they probably do that just to kind of get legal, you know, legal reasons probably. Maybe or maybe they're just kind of trying to cut to the chase a little more you know i don't know yeah but yeah that's not definitely not the first time that they haven't allowed so yeah she was in a bad marriage uh, things weren't going very well she was depressed and eventually she disappeared she completely just vanished off the face of the earth uh and of course her husband jewel became a suspect and to be honest watching this segment i can see why there's no eye contact with the with the camera like he's looking down all the time. It looks like he's like thinking of things to say uh, in the middle of conversation. <laughs> like, like he's just like, uh, and then it, it, it's just a very awkward interview. See, I think me and Mike have differing opinions on this guy. Now, I will say that this guy, and by the way, people, just to let you know, you can actually go and watch this segment we're talking yeah. about. Unlike most of them, go to Amazon Prime and look up episode, episode number one, one of season one, and you can watch this very segment, so you'll have context beyond it's what we're talking last, about. It's the last segment on episode one. But, th I see, this guy... Is he an asshole? Absolutely. I think this guy's an asshole, but it's like I've known guys like this in my life, and an asshole he might be. I just don't think I just don't think he did it. He just was too aloof and uncaring in the in, not in the sense of I have no heart and I'm a murderous, you know, fiend, but more in the sense of I was so done with this chick's shit when she went dis <laughs> when she disappeared, I could care less. Or, but know. the whole thing where he's saying he wrote letters to her and all that kind of stuff, telling her to come back, that's what makes me kind of, you know, oh, he doesn't give a, give a shit, but he's leaving all these letters to her that he leaves on her car, asking her to come back to him. That was probably just mere lip service, you know, just kind of like, yeah, you know, come on, I guess. But if you don't, who cares? Because you know. I, I don't see, I, I don't see why anyone who is that done with them would even go to that length. How many people do you know of, like your exes? Have they been like, uh, they're done? They're not leaving notes to you, like, like on your, on your car. People do strange things um, sometimes. I, I know, I know, but it just seemed a bit, I don't know. May I also say, this guy... He's a character. This guy seemed like he was on about 12 Xanax bars for this interview. He was just like, <laughs> well, I've moved into a new place in a new city and got a new job. If she, you know, 
What what was his quote on that? You're saying? Okay, I I got it. I got it. So this is like his uh, one of his last lines. He was like, "It was hell living with Dottie. It was hell having her disappear the way that she did. And yet, since I've gotten here and gotten settled and into a new job, and that whole problem is behind me, things are really pretty good." <laughs> Now, in in your voice, that's exactly how he said it. That's exactly how he delivered it. Just he's just very sedated. I mean, off camera, there there could have very well been like a, a drip, a morphine drip on <laughs> you know just going into his arm for all we know. I mean, this guy was just like, I mean, he he could have not he couldn't have been more at peace with the whole situation uh, if he tried. Which again, I mean, he was talking about how there was some problems with the marriage to the point where there's been like violent things that happen uh dotty had a friend named paula who recalled dotty's first physical altercation with her husband and she told me that they got in an argument and she said it escalated to the point when he finally hit her with a board or something and then she grabbed some scissors and said you keep away from me and protected herself but according to jewel it was dotty who started the fight this is him quoted she was standing over me with those scissors, swearing at me and saying, I'll kill you, you son of a bitch. I'll kill you. And I grabbed her little typing stand and I hit her with it. And, uh, you know, that's a he said, she said case. And yeah. that, so really, it's... I mean, she's not around anymore. There's really nothing that can be said about that. I, I want evidence. I want proof. I want facts. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it's it's just the way he said it, too, is that sedated. Oh, yeah. Line delivery. Um, so apparently uh, Jewel says uh, he claimed he had dropped her off at the train station. He was the last person to see her alive. And nobody else can verify if she ever made it to the train station or not. Her purse which provided her a sense of security, was left behind in her car. Um, that's kind of, that's, you would think, okay, if she's leaving, she would take her purse with her. Well, but. I kind of want to back up for a little bit, because during kind of their unhappy marriage, and I'm not going to place blame on one or the other, because I'm sure it's very frustrating living with somebody with agoraphobia, where they, they can't even hold down a job, and you're, you're yeah. the main breadwinner, and... And if you are somebody who doesn't understand mental illness, you're going to look at this person as just lazy. Like, they just yeah. can't take the real world. And to to the person who's suffering from the mental illness, you're going to be frustrated because you're going to look at your husband as someone who's an asshole and is unsupportive and yeah. isn't trying to understand you. So I could see the conflict there. So I'm not going to fault either one for anything because I don't know any facts of the situation. But, yeah. however... In 1984, Dottie decided to join a support group called Women in Transition. That sounds like nowadays it would take on a totally different yeah. context. With yeah, I mean, when I first heard that, I was like, is this a, a support group for for transgendered women? Apparently. <laughs> or women who are going from female to male? The, like, uh, I don't... The, the 1980s was a more simpler time, Mike. Uh, without ever telling Jewel, she attended meetings for over a year. So I guess the the uh, women in transition was maybe like a, a almost like a battered women's kind of group or, or support group or something like that. Maybe, but we don't necessarily know exactly what 
They probably the, they probably gave her the much needed support that she had been yeah. craving for years to where she maybe was able to get over her well, agoraphobia. She, she also broke out a little bit and she was, you know, getting better, you know, nicer clothes. She was wearing nicer clothes. She was she got a haircut. She was paying more attention to her personal appearance. Um so in addition, Dottie secretly rented a post office box to receive her mail without Jewel knowing about it. She yep. also opened a personal bank account and transferred $5,000 into a cashier's check. Uh, I don't know how she's getting that money. Um, yeah. Jewel Kaler, the husband, was shocked to learn of his wife's devious behavior. She had secret lives, a secret existence that I knew nothing about, and she wanted it that way. I wasn't even aware of it. I was just suspicious. Then one month before Dottie's disappearance, Jewel told her he had accepted a job transfer to Salt Lake City. He recalls Dottie's reaction. Dottie had said, in the event that I got transferred, that she was not interested in going with me. So I wasn't expecting her to go with me and wouldn't even have wanted her to, I guess. So right there... Yeah, I wouldn't have, wouldn't even wanted her to. The, the I guy guess. the guy's wanting to wash his hands of this chick, yeah. and he's not wanting to kill her. I don't think he's wanting to just be done with her in the sense of going their separate ways. According to Jewel, just a few days before he was to leave for Salt Lake City, he drove Dottie to the train station, which is what you were alluding to earlier. Yeah, now. He dropped her off. Train station. This was a big deal for her because being an agoraphobic and afraid to leave your house, it took her a, a while to build up to being able to even. Well, do also, this. I think I think the woman in transition group definitely helped her be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So this was a big deal for her. Um, so yeah, so she goes in, buys her ticket, uh, and I always thought it was kind of eerie, just the way that this whole scene was kind of shot. Just knowing that this woman just disappeared. Just thinking about it, you know, like just going on the train and then just disappeared completely. Just nowhere to be found. The train might as well have gone into like the Twilight Zone or something or some alternate dimension. And I mean, her husband <laughs> gave so little fucks that he didn't even like walk her to the train or anything. He just no. dropped her ass off and dumped her off and drove away. Uh -huh. So, I mean, he doesn't. You know, he's not. He doesn't know what happened to her after he dropped her off. Um, the the next day. But I mean, I mean that kind of stuff is a kind of. I mean, there are people who come up with stories like that who are like, "Oh, I just picked her up and dropped her off at the train station." But the problem is, there aren't a lot of people who actually, I guess, were witnesses. They don't remember seeing her on the train. Sure, but I mean. Ugh. I just feel like this uh, from the guilty husbands I've seen who are obviously guilty. For there the are other different segments. types of guilt. <laughs> like remember that one guy who was so confident he was uh, he was not guilty, did not uh, kill his kid. Yeah, yeah, we gotta find that damn segment. We keep that's like the number one segment we've talked about through this whole show. I know because uh, it's a very memorable segment, and, and we I can't haven't been able to like figure out. It, I'm gonna start rewatching the VHS uh, stuff I have, and um, I, th I think it's like season three or four. One of the earlier ones. Yeah, definitely one of the earlier ones. But yeah, that guy, that guy definitely did seem not guilty, and then he ended up doing it um, so it, it happens it happens i'm not saying that he did i'm just saying this guy to me it, it just the way he behaves the way he's acting yes he doesn't give a shit but it also seems to me like i don't know i mean when you see somebody just not having any eye contact with the interviewer just 
being just completely just non-committal to things, that raises a red flag in my head. So uh, the next day, Jewel took the train home from work. And when I say Jewel, I'm not talking about the singer. I'm talking about the husband. And think Jewel as in Julius because it's spelled J-U-L-E. I just thought about that. If you're just listening to this and you don't have a context of how it's singer spelled. sounds like Kermit. <laughs> it doesn't sound much different than that, folks. That's a sad thing. Um, anyway, Jewel took the train home from work. She's hot, though, I will say. Jewel, the singer. Um, he he took the train home from work. In the train station parking lot, he was surprised to find Dottie's Volkswagen yeah. parked next to his car. He said, So I walked over and looked inside, and then I noticed her purse. And that was very, very strange, I tell you what. He didn't say I tell you what at the end, but I feel like he should have. Um, <laughs> Shelley Wilson also found it strange that Dottie had left her purse behind. Quote, She told me how important it was to her to have her purse with her all the time. That's one of the things that made her feel so terribly upset um, or made me feel so terribly upset when I realized she had not mm-hmm. taken her purse with her. Um, over the next few days, Jewel left notes on Dottie's car, as you were talking about earlier, asking her to contact him. He expressed his love for her. Yeah, that is kind of I, weird. I, I, yeah, I, I love how the uh, Wikia says, Jewel left rambling notes on her vehicle, <laughs> which surprisingly he claims to have found at the same train station he dropped her off at. Now I'm like... <laughs> rambling notes <laughs> i love you come back to me no i hate you <laughs> <laughs> never mind don't come back to me <laughs> in the same exact letter my feelings have changed and i felt the need to uh, still include the love you part even though i don't feel that way anymore but no he lo- it's like smeagol is writing letters you know for the, i love you no i hate you i hate you no i love you <laughs> uh but uh but yeah, that is. I thought that was just very peculiar. Dude waited. Very strange. Jewel waited five days to file a missing persons report. Two weeks later, Jewel moved to Salt Lake City, where he built a comfortable new life for himself. Yeah. And also, apparently, this is from the wiki. I don't know how true this is, but if it is true, this raises a red flag as well. Because at the time of her disappearance, he was engaged to another woman. And he was frustrated with Dot- that Dottie would be living in their old house, and he would have to pay alimony. But frustrated enough to kill? I don't know. <laughs> so many years have passed, and still no one knows if Dottie Kaler left to escape an unhappy marriage, or if she was, or if she was simply the victim of foul play. The Concord Police Department is still treating Dottie's disappearance as a homicide. Police, yeah, uh, police do not consider Jewel Kaler as a suspect, but a quote person. Well, that's not necessary. So here we have a little bit of an update, not a big update or anything, but this is from the Wikia, which also takes information from the Charlie Project um, website, which I think is a website that talks about missing persons. So um, I could be wrong, though. I'm I'm no expert on the Charlie Project. I'm just looking at Wikia right now. So this case is still unresolved, but authorities believe that Dottie is more than likely deceased now. Because if she were alive, if she was alive, she would be in her early 70s. And the authorities now believe that foul play was involved. In 2004, Jewel Kaler, who has since remarried, was officially named by police as a person of interest in the case. Released court documents through the Charlie Project state that authorities do believe that Jewel Kaler killed his wife, Dottie. But they can't prove it. No. Huh. 
I mean, it's possible. I mean, the guy did kind of seem like a ticking time bomb. Like, underneath that sedated veneer is uh, someone who could just explode with rage out of nowhere. And yeah, I'm like looking on the uh, unsolved uh, database here and like, shit, her date of birth is January 9th, 1944. Christ. She was old now. She's still alive. <laughs> That's like my grandma, I think, was born in like 40. Yeah, it's close something. to when my grandma yeah, was born, too. She did, though. My grandma did. Rest in peace, grandma. Um, my grandma's still alive. She means a lot to me. And you know, she helped raise me. Along with my mom, so well, I, ho- yeah. I wish good. I wish good juju on you, Mike, and your grandma. I hope yeah, that she you. hope she doesn't pass <laughs> ever. Like I, I hope, <laughs> I hope freakishly she lives like for a really like like everyone. It's like scientists are like, what's going on? <laughs> everyone has deceased around her. It's the year twenty one oh three, and she's still alive. And then it turns out she's some kind of um, <laughs> I don't know. Just kind of trailed off there. Um, I know you know where Bigfoot is, Mike. Tell us. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, a lot of inside references. You'd have to be listening to the podcast for a while to even get some of that shit. The grandma thing was literally out of left field, but the Bigfoot thing, I have this running gag that I'm convinced Mike knows where Bigfoot is because it's like right in the backyard of Vancouver, Washington is where a lot of the sightings of Bigfoot are. Anyways. Not really, but okay. <laughs> yeah, just go with it, Mike. I mean, the, the things I say on here don't have to be factual to be entertaining, so... <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, that would be awesome, though, if there was just Bigfoot sightings everywhere in Main Street. <laughs> <laughs> just the reason why yeah. you can't get to the video store or, or wherever is because there's oh, like... damn it, Bigfoot is there. <laughs> he's just knocking shit over in the streets. I can't get there today. I'm sorry. I'll get there some <laughs> other day. It's like, geez, Mike, I just don't have that problem here in Florida. I, I, I can't relate to you. Uh, just waiting in line. Bigfoot is just there. Bigfoot's like really <laughs> hassling the uh, cashier about returning something, and it's against the return policy. And he's like, come on, I'm, I'm here. I do a lot of business here. And the manager's like, just give him the damn refund. Anyway, um, so I think that's all I have to say about the Dottie Kaler case. It was a great yeah. case. Fantastic. Yeah. We're not doing it justice even talking about it. You really need to watch it on Unsolved Mysteries, which you can do now. So go out in there and do that, damn it. And Amazon Prime, was it like 10 bucks a month? Yeah, it's like ten ninety nine. Uh, you can do the monthly uh, fee option, which is like ten ninety nine a month. You also get uh, two days uh, free shipping. Two days free uh, shipping. I mean that yeah. that's Amazon that. Prime for Prime uh, uh, thing, you know, stuff that's available on Prime, uh, not for stuff that doesn't have Prime. They don't have two days shipping. But there's because, a lot of stuff on there that has. But there's a, a lot shipping. of stuff that's Prime enabled, so it, it's a good deal, especially if you're a student, and because yeah. yeah, then you can trust me, it, it's kind of a better idea if you can to get your books off of Amazon than uh, anywhere else and also you can sell stuff so and as a student i i can definitely say you're better off when you get your books and you pay some crazy amount of money for them keep them and don't sell them to the bookstore because you're not going to get the full profit sell them to amazon and you'll get a lot more than you're going to get from the bookstore oh i didn't realize that i always sold it back to the bookstore like a sucker yeah, mc a, yeah it's it's not it's a it's a yeah, you get like half of what you're going to get usually on Amazon with certain books. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a good deal. Uh, and if you're a student, you can get a discount. I think you can get the full year of Amazon Prime for like 60 bucks. Damn. 
It adds up, people, if you do a lot of online shopping, which you should be, because that's a smarter way of doing it rather than, you know, going out from store to store. And plus, I like going out because it's fun and it's, you know, reason for me to get out of the house. And yeah, I, I like true to sometimes. hunt. But, yeah, I mean, where I go is I go to thrift stores and pawn shops. So the kind of stuff that I'm looking for is, like, better deals than what I get on Amazon. But, um yeah, when it comes to like school books and, you know, even streaming, I mean, I'd have to say if you're looking for, con I mean, Amazon Prime right now, Unsolved Mysteries is like, that's like the big thing. And and I totally do not see, I don't see them not having more seasons. I don't see them not following through. I mean, they have the, all three seasons of the Dennis Farina version. Boo! So. <laughs> Who wants that? Now that they have the originals up, seriously, why do they have the Farina episodes up? Like, who gives a flying fuck about the Dennis Farina Unsolved Mysteries episodes? I mean, ugh, God, you'd have to really, really be in uh, to, like, true crime. Well, and weren't there some that were only on that show? So I that's no, I, I, That's something I'm still unsure about. Maybe it's another one of those things where people are confusing some of the cases that recovered on America's Most Wanted uh, with uh, something that was on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, moving on to our next case. Uh, this was this has been requested for a while, and I guess uh, during Fan Request Month, it kind of got swept under the rug somehow or another. But and it's actually surprisingly as a segment that uh, I, I guess I I skipped over when I was going through and watching all the episodes from the seasons and all. Um, and this is the case of uh, Matt Flores, the murder of Matt Flores, I should say, the unexplained death of Matt Flores. Um, they had it all: a loving marriage beautiful daughter dreams of what could have been dreams that were all lost in a minute when matt flores was gunned down when matt and denise married in 1990 their friends called it the wedding of the century matt was a second lieutenant in the army and served with distinction in operation desert storm once matt came home to fort stewart georgia matt and denise started a family in 1993 danielle was born Eight months later, Matt began a promising new career as an engineer at Applied Materials Incorporated, a computer company based in California's Silicon Valley. Denise, Matt's wife, said, It was a new start for our family, us making decisions instead of the military. This was his dream come true. He'd finished with the military, he'd done everything right, now he'd landed the job of his dreams. But on March 24, 1994, Matt's ninth day of work... He was driving a white Chevy Corsica, which the company had rented for him. Around 8.20 a.m., Matt arrived for work. He parked in an unassigned spot in the middle of the parking lot. Meanwhile, also in the parking lot, was one of Matt's co-workers. She was listening to a radio talk show in her car, when all of a sudden a shot rang out. The employee got out of her car to find Matt slumped down by the floorboard of his car. She realized that Matt had been shot. She ran to a shuttle bus nearby and had them call 911. Approximately four or five uniformed officers responded immediately. Paramedics also responded immediately, but they were not able to revive him. He was pronounced dead on the scene. Matt was shot at point-blank range in the back of the head, Abe Lincoln style. I added that last part. Matt probably never saw his killer. And surprisingly, the 20 people in the parking lot never saw his killer either. According to Matt's mom, he was not involved in drugs, gambling, anything that might get you into trouble in that way. Officer Teal, is the only way I can uh, hear that Robert Stack pronounced it, like as in the color. Officer Teal, who is one of the investigating officers, said, We couldn't find anybody who didn't like Matt. 
And not only did they not dislike him, everybody we met, he was somebody you'd be proud to have as a son or brother. He did not have a dark secret to him. None of this makes sense. The investigation was hampered by one piece of bad luck. Despite the presence of several security cameras trained in the parking lot, the killing itself took place in the blind spot of one of the cameras just out of view. However, one of the cameras did give police one of its most significant leads. They have asked Unsolved Mysteries not to show the video footage, but Unsolved Mysteries did go ahead and recreate a scene-by-scene -scene recreation of exactly what the video did show. Which is weird, because it's like, if, if you're going to do that, you might as well just show the damn yeah. surveillance video, whatever. Yeah, but I guess they just couldn't get the rights to be able to show it. Like, the police were just like, no, we're, yeah. not, we're not allowing this. And, you know, you never know what kind of stuff they had to change in the recreation. Although, I mean, they do have, they have had that stuff on, you know, the show before. I mean, a lot of the robbery segments have had the robbers on there, so... For, for whatever camera. reason, police withhold information from the public that they feel might be sensitive, and there could have been something in the video that was sensitive information that was pending investigation, which they had to change in the recreation that we may not have even know of. It might be a car in the background that yeah. they didn't want shown that was in the original video. Who knows? Um, so they, um, they do the recreation of the video or whatever, and... Um, about 20 minutes before the shooting, there was a sport model four-door Ford Explorer that came into the parking lot and parked in one of the parking stalls facing directly into the video camera lens. A few seconds later, a two-door white Ford Probe came into the same lane Matt would take up later. The Explorer backed up, followed the white Probe. The Ford Probe could look something like Matt's rental, which was a white Chevy Corsica. About First off, the name Probe, not a very... Not a very good name for a car. No, no, it's it's. I mean, especially if you, you know if you're accustomed to this show with the UFOs and the capturings. I mean, talking about probes is, is going to be a, a triggering moment. Triggered. Uh, about four minutes later, we see that same explorer exit the parking lot after following the probe into the blind spot. Apparently, probing the blind spot. Rated PG-13. Um. About two minutes later, <laughs> we see the Explorer come back into the parking lot. I think that would be rated R, not PG-13. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you're right. Uh, two minutes later, we see the Explorer come back into the parking lot and go into the direction of where the shooting occurred. At 8.12 a.m., two cars drive into the lot, one driven by the, the eyewitness of the shooting and one by Matt Flores. Well, I shouldn't say eyewitness. I should say the lady listening to the radio program who heard the shots. Um, and the other one was driven by Matt. At 8.14, the murder takes place, just out of camera range. Approximately 20 seconds later, the Ford Explorer is seen leaving the parking lot for the last time. So let me paint a picture here, okay? So Ford Explorer pulls into this, this parking stall. It's captured on video. That we do see. This white Ford probe drives by. As if the Ford Explorer goes, damn, baby, where are you going? He pulls out and he starts following this Ford probe. This is all off camera after that. You don't see what happens as a result of that stalking. Then, four minutes later, the Ford Explorer is seen exiting the parking lot. Two minutes later, the Ford Explorer comes back. I guess back into that blind spot. Then, 
At 8.12, you see the two cars drive into the parking lot, one being the witness and the other being Matt Flores. So that's what happens. That's all they have right now. The Ford Explorer is definitely the suspicious vehicle. Um, Officer Teal says, I think if somebody were to watch the videotape and see the activities of the vehicle that morning and see it leave after the shooting of Matt, they certainly could say the vehicle was stalking Matt that morning. Uh, because the Explorer was initially followed uh, by the, because the Explorer initially followed the Ford Probe, Officer Sergeant Teal believes this could be a case of mistaken identity. Perhaps somebody went to the parking lot that morning to do harm to somebody else, and they got the wrong person. Wrong person being Matt, which is a damn shame because he sounds like a good shit from all the uh, people on here talking about him. Good shit. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like, yeah. sounds like a good shit. Um, sounds like a really good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his his wife Denise, sadly, is uh, saying towards the end of this segment, "Whoever did this to the, to him, I want them to know what they've taken not only from Matt, but what they've taken from myself and Danielle and his family. I don't think she remembers him anymore. She was too little. I plan on showing her all the videos we have just so she can know what kind of daddy she had, even though she'll never know how it feels to have daddy hug her." Oh, God damn. Denise bringing down the whole mood of the podcast. Uh, That's that's one of the saddest things I've read in a while. Um, Yeah, uh, it is. I knew it was sad when I wrote it, but I didn't know it would impact me the same way when I read it out loud. A $100,000 reward is being offered by Applied Materials Incorporated for information leading to the arrest and prosecution of Matt Flores' killer. Uh... Police, uh, their police's most substantial clue is a Ford Explorer that was seen in the parking lot, and that's all they got. Yeah, there's this weird comment though on the unsolved, uh, more unsolved website that somebody's talking about. Is it possible the killer was mad that Matt got a job that the killer replied for and wanted? Competition was and is high there. Did the authorities check the identities of other people who apply for the job? Uh, SV, which I think stands for the place that they're at. I don't know why they abbreviate that. <laughs> what is it? What is SV? As as South. Apparently, it stands for scandalous villains. Uh, I don't know what SV stands for. So uh, apply for the job. SV has had a high percentage percentage of people with Asperger's syndrome, many of whom lack empathy. Right at the bat, this person who wrote this does not understand the varying different levels of Asperger's and the very different, varying different levels of autism. Somebody on the internet said something insensitive. Well, I know. I mean, it's not. It's it's ignorant. It's ignorant. That's worse than insensitive to me. It's ignorant. No, no, it's ignorant. It's ignorant. It's stupid. (laughs) That's ignorance. Okay, Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So, all right so it, it's pure ignorance because folks you're listening to somebody with asperger's <laughs> I, I don't think i like empathy at all um no, you, so, have, you have more empathy than most people honestly so uh the large percent a high percentage of people with asperger's syndrome many of whom lack empathy and thus have potential for harming someone in anger I'm not dissing people with Asperger's. Yeah, kind of are. Yeah, not really. Are. You're not really talking about the whole story. I'm speaking from direct experience, having a close relative who worked in SV uh, with Asperger's, who was jailed three times for personal crimes against people. Well, just because you're a close relative 
had Asperger's and was an asshole, that doesn't mean that there's a really high percentage of people with Asperger's who that's like that, that, that's like the person who says my best friend is black and then goes on to like say a bunch of racist shit about black people. It's like <laughs> yeah. just because you have somebody who happens to have some degree of whatever it is you're about to speak badly of, that doesn't make you an expert in the fucking field, douchebag. Exactly. <laughs> No, I just had to share that because I'm just like from you know I I'm looking at this as like a fellow Asper Aspie and I'm like oh come on <laughs> now maybe the guy was we have no proof that the guy who had Aspergers who killed we don't Max. have anything that's the thing we, we don't have, have nothing we don't even know if it's a guy <laughs> it could be a, it could be a guy in drag we have no idea it could be a woman it could be it could be fucking um, Joe Pesci for all we know we don't. <laughs> It could be an alien hominid. It could be uh, skunk Bigfoot. ape. It could be Mothman. Who the fuck? We have nothing. We have nothing to go on. It probably is a man, because man, men tend Joe to kill Pesci. more. He, he he laughed at him too much. He thought he was funny. I, I just I just don't know what you find funny. I had to put my blinker on. Was that funny to you? I tell you what though. I wish I I wish I I wish I could speak like Joe Pesci just just so I could say fuck you in his accent because he just says it with such a a crisp, just yeah, fuck you. I don't know. I can't even yeah, do it. Fuck you. I can't, yeah. I can't even do it right. But he, he, I can't do it right either. Anyway, so that's the Matt Flores case. Um, you know, with a lot of these, they give you at least a little something to go on, like a little inkling of like what could nothing be here. nothing. And I'm not even gonna sit here and try to like waste my time or your time speculating because we have uh, nothing to speculate on. There's nothing to speculate on. I mean. Yeah, it could be um, some disgruntled person who didn't get the job. Could be uh, a, a hater of Matt. Sound like a good guy. He, you know, people who live well have a hot wife, which Denise was. Uh, have it ha, seem to have everything going for him. There's haters who get jealous. It could be some. Some people might be like go the conspiracy thing, like oh he was he was a military guy and he he got into something he shouldn't have and somebody killed him. He was a Manchurian candidate. Um, have you seen Manchurian Candidate, Mike? Yeah, I've seen that. The new one, Denzel. I, I haven't seen the new one. I saw the old one uh, in uh, uh, high school, actually. I think it was in the government class. The new one's really was... good. I haven't seen the old one. It's freaky, freaky. It is freaky premise that there is like an island that's unknown where they take people to and they can reprogram their brain for military purposes. It's freaky, dude. Real freaky. Scary, disturbing. Uh, the new Manchurian Candidate with Denzel Washington, um, just the scene when he's on the island and it's got these like almost like ISIS looking people with guns and, and all this crazy shit, mind control. And uh, It's not really that new, but you know, it is a film that didn't really do that well, if I remember correctly. Really? And a lot of people don't really talk about that film that much. A lot of people look at the original in higher regard than the remake. I'm sure the original is better, but I, I haven't seen it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen... See, see, here's a movie I haven't seen. I ah. haven't seen the remake, but I've seen the original. All it's right. all right. It's cool to see Angela Lansbury, like a murder she wrote herself, uh, in a role that is completely unlike anything you've ever seen her before as a villain. 
You know, my mom just started rewatch. Well, for the past few months, she's she's been watching Murder She Wrote on Netflix. You know, and she's like, well, I like this. I, you know, I, I, uh, you know, when I was raising you kids, I would watch this show a lot. And I'm like, okay, you can watch you can watch Murder She Wrote, but you can't watch Unsolved Mysteries. My mom, yeah, she doesn't dig really? that show. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised why she doesn't like Unsolved Mysteries. I watched uh, episode four with my mom you know, because my mom is the one of the main reasons why I, I was introduced to the show so my mom's mom my grandmother from massachusetts is the reason why i watch this show because she used to come down here from massachusetts and visit us in florida as a kid and she would put on unsolved mysteries and totally inappropriate for a kid to be watching but you know they were old school so she'd let me yeah. watch it and yeah my mom just never dug it but uh her mom did so thanks for to my nana up north may you rest in peace as well man mentioned somehow was able to bring up both dead grandmothers on this podcast uh real real light-hearted one um moving on to our next topic um on the uh this is this one actually is on the ultimate box set collection which i did a review on as i mentioned before you can find and available on the ghost box set yes i think it's probably i don't know if it's available in the two-pack because for some stupid reason First Look Entertainment released a, a two-pack that only had two DVDs instead of four for Ghosts and for Bizarre Murders, I believe. That's not nice. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this one actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was a fan request as well. Um, yep. I don't know. I just... Uh, I, think, I think it's from uh, our the guy who... Uh, Thomas Hatfield. Got, yeah, the guy who got us our artwork for... Thomas, I'll tell you what, buddy. I, I get good feelings about you. I, I feel like you're this close to, uh, to to working for us in some way, shape, or form. You know, you're designing <laughs> logos. You're uh, you're doing this, that, and the other. Um, Making mad stacks. T-shirts. Oh, yeah. You make the fucking sweet t-shirt. I think I already got another one of the ones you did. Uh, I don't know, man. I think I'm seeing some potential in this, this fella here. But anyway, he... Uh, he wanted uh, Grace's Ghost. This was one of his old requests, and I don't know. I was just scanning Patreon the other day, and I was like, oh, okay, uh, we should probably do that one. Um, so here we go. For generations, the Adirondacks in upstate New York have been a favorite vacation spot for the famous and infamous alike, a place of stunning beauty and sometimes stunning scandal. When darkness falls at resorts like the Covewood Lodge... The plaintive sounds of loons startle haunted memories. God, the writing on this. Mwah, mwah, the writing is just, just a spicy meatball right there. The, the writing on this show just ugh, golden. Uh, one summer um, of 1988, a few months before yours truly was born, um, members of the staff were approaching the Covewood Lodge when Rhonda Boussalot, don't even care if I pronounce her last name right, some French thing, uh, entered the lodge not knowing that someone was uh, someone or something was waiting on her as she was walking into this lodge. And according to her, she says, As I approached the top of the stairs, a feeling came over me that someone was there. More or less, I stopped in my tracks and didn't move. Uh, didn't have a feeling of fright, but more feeling that someone or something was there, and it just took my breath away. But the real show took place outside um, as Rhonda's friends were experiencing a spine-tingling vision. There was a ghost out on the balcony. And then after a while, it just blew away like sand in the wind. Uh, Who is haunting Big Moose Lake? Folks around here believe it's the young and beautiful Grace Brown. In 1906, her brutal murder shocked the nation. Decades later, Hollywood transformed the case into a hit movie called A Place in the Sun. Now, huh. I've I never, I never heard of that film, and I've never seen it. 
Oh, okay, yeah, because I was going to ask you, I know you're a movie guy, and I know this movie came out a long-ass time ago. What is your cutoff for movies? I mean, are you, are like, is there, like, a date where my like... Cu- my cutoff for movies, usually, it depends on the genre, but a lot of times, except for rare exceptions, like films like Metropolis or some of the Universal Monster movies or, or you know, Hitchcock films and stuff, I am not a big fan of films from the 1900s, 1910s, 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, 50s. And the main reason why is it was, it, yeah, I do take these things into perspective. I understand the over dramatic way of acting comes from theater. I understand that. I can't stand watching that nowadays. I cannot stand the, oh, uh, you know, just the over dramatic acting by uh, men and women alike in, in uh, films from like the 30s and 40s. I, it, it's, I understand it was needed for theater because you have to get these emotions across and to a, a huge audience. Uh, on film, though, it just comes across as just bad acting. Just really bad acting, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, it, it's just I can't stand some of these supposed classic films. Um Citizen Kane, I, I might get crucified for this. Oh no! But I feel it coming. The horse. I, 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 I think it's. I think it's a good movie, but I don't think it's the greatest film of all time. <sighs> oh. No, I haven't <laughs> seen it, so I can't say. But I have heard that on many, many polls, it is cited as the greatest movie of all. I time. I mean, it's it's very influential. It's one of the most influential films of all time, easily. But so is Birth of the Nation. And that film is incredibly hard to watch nowadays because it's got blackface and all this other stuff, and it's about the KKK being portrayed as heroes. Holy shit. So, um, yeah, just because it's revolutionary and just because it has some really amazing film techniques doesn't mean that it's the best film ever. I mean, we're talking about impact, sure. But if we're talking about overall quality, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd never... If I had to pick between RoboCop, the 1987 film, and Citizen Kane, I'm going to pick RoboCop. I'm going to pick the future of law enforcement any day of the week over Citizen Kane. So uh, I haven't seen Place in the Sun, and I don't know. Is, is it like – can you look it up? Is it like from this what, – what, when, when was it released? Um, let me see here. Well, actually, as you look it up, I'll talk about my problems with, with uh, I guess, what, why I don't really like older movies. Um, okay. I, I have a problem with, A, the whole transatlantic accent, because, yeah. I, I mean, I know that was popular at the time, because, it, for those of you who don't know, transatlantic accent is a, it, it's an old school way that people used to talk. They used to teach it in schools, actually. Yeah, I don't like that either, so. It, it's a combination of, of the American accent and the English accent, and I'm, yeah, not, even gonna that... try, I'm not even gonna try to mimic it, but it's, it's, it, it, it dates the fuck out of whatever I'm watching. Yeah, it, it In does. a really severe way. Um, there's, uh, movies were made, those movies were made at a time where people's attention spans were as long as the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, 
the, yeah. the, the, the very dialogue heavy, very plot heavy as far as like coming from the dialogue uh, instead of coming from the actions and coming from scenes and all that. It was like a filmed radio play in some ways. Yeah, and and I just find myself bored to tears watching a lot of these. Um, I think that's why when certain movies like um, Doctor Strange Love and stuff like that started to come out, it really blew people's minds because yeah, like, wow, th- these are. Like, film can be elevated to this new stratosphere yeah. of possibility. I mean, yeah, I know. That I, that's kind of how I feel as well. I feel that way, not really kind of. That's a, that's how I feel as well, is the transatlantic accents, the, the and that ties into the acting, which is just very over-exaggerated to the point where it's just really hard to watch. It's kind of cringe-inducing, to be honest. Um, but, you know, that's the time. and But, I mean... I can I can watch some silent films. I love Lon Chaney's Phantom of the Opera, uh, Metropolis, which is a beautiful film. Um, I also like the '80s uh, update with uh, Giorgio Moroder's soundtrack and music by Queen and other oh, bands. Oh, that sounds badass. <laughs> Just from the uh, roster that you named off alone for the uh, musical acts. Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. You can. Uh, you know. It's uh, from 1951. Okay. I haven't seen it, so it, cool. it's seems like the same you know 50s kind of era where a filmmaking where i'm not really a big fan of 50s films i mean even we're talking about some monster movies like i prefer the remake of the blob from 1988 by chuck russell over the original blob with steve mcqueen i prefer the unsolved mystery segment of the blob over all of them (laughs) that's a good one too but Man, the 1988 remake of, of The Blob is is awesome. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Place in the Sun, big hit movie. It's got a 7.8 out of, 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. It starred Shelley so. Winters, who played a factory girl who was seduced and murdered by a her fa- by her faithless lover, Montgomery Cliff, who was having a passionate affair with one Elizabeth Taylor. Oh my God, was Elizabeth Taylor a babe back in the day. Yep. I mean, you talk about like uni- like universal appeal and timeless beauty. To me, there's two women in history. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Audrey Hepburn are two, some of the most beautiful women, I think, who will have ever graced planet Earth. But that's another story. Um, or, and, and, Perry, and Perry Mason himself, Raymond Burr, was also in the film. That means nothing to me, but to someone out there, I'm sure that means something. Um Ironically, Hollywood portrayed Grace Grace Brown as dowdy, nagging, and shrewish. But in truth, Grace was a naive, lovely 19-year-old who toiled at the Gillette Garment Factory in Cortland, New York. It was there that Grace met Chester Gillette, the factory owner's nephew. Chester was considered quite a catch by the people in town because he was popular, athletic, and handsome, a.k.a. somebody who I would have not gotten along with in high school. Uh, Or he's the best a man can get. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> I like that one. That was clever. Um, I'm sure a lot of women in Cortland were very interested in him. From the start, it was a scandalous romance. Chester convinced Grace to see him unchaperoned, defying convention and risking her reputation. Meaning, yeah, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that was really like controversial and risky back then. Like nowadays, we'd be like, oh, who cares? Whatever. That's no big deal. It's crazy when you look back at... Uh, things that were considered controversial and risky back in, you know, decades past. You know, like having a dress that was, you know, that showed your ankles. <laughs> you know, you know what's was, even was more crazy, crazy, Mike? 
is the fact that, you know, oh, it's crazy to think that back in the day you had to be chaperoned when you went on dates. It's crazy to think in 2007 when I graduated Trinity Christian Academy, they had a Trinity Christian college. And if you went to the college there and you went out on a date, you had to have a chaperone. Oh, that's just bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Trinity Christian College, I mean, just... But still, like, jeez. You know, not you. Just kooky Christians. No, no, I mean, no, not all, all Christians are like that. But there, there are a good amount of Christians, though, who are like that kind of just God-fearing, just not really taking any chances I'll whatsoever. You what, if you want to go out with my daughter, you're going to have a goddamn chaperone, I'll tell you what. Uh, so, anyway, uh, he wanted to see her without a chaperone. You have your daughter's hand. <laughs> uh, defying convention and risking reputation. A.K.A. he wanted to fuck. I mean, let's yeah. face it. Why would you not want the chaperone there? He wanted to fuck her. And she was DTF, folks. Um, I think she saw him as the ideal person. That he was ev- <laughs> he was everything that she wanted. Uh, she was in love for the first time in her life, and she wanted uh, to see this through no matter what, which was uh, quoted by some guy whose name I didn't catch on the show. I'm somewhere. just imagining, like, it, in the, those sort of old movies, you know, where they have that kind of line delivery, and, you know, just like, yes, I'm down to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's funny how slang changes so drastically over the years, man. Like, going back to those times, you know, and, and how things are now and how everything's just so gross now and everything had such a, a quiet dignity back then. Well, back, back then, I mean, with uh, in the 30s, when uh, uh, Clark Gable said, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Like, that was like, oh, oh my God, oh, my goodness. But, you know, he said, damn. I can only imagine, like, in the streets and stuff, people were talking like they talk oh, yeah. now, you know. they yeah. You just didn't see it on movies or in print or anything. But people, you know, the blue-collar workers were, you know, probably, you know, they were probably dropping the F-bombs and all that other kind of stuff just as frequently as they are now. Yeah, um, but it's just, it's just, it is a crazy contrast. So, for Chester... It was a secretive affair. He never took Grace out in public. He never acknowledged their relationship. Chester was frequently seen with other young women, especially those from wealthier families. So already, if you Sleeping haven't, around. yeah, if you haven't been able to tell, Chester's a piece of shit. Uh, he's what's known as a uh, scumbag. Um, so her friends were warning her that he wasn't what he seemed to be, and uh, I think that she had no experience with that type of person, so I think she was seeing what she wanted to see in him, which was quoted again by a guy on this segment whose name I did not get, because quite frankly, my dear, I didn't give a damn. So, Grace... I think his name is Craig Brandon. There you go. We'll pick a name, give it to him. His name could be Steve Tomlin Dingerson, for all I care. <laughs> Were you trying to be like Fletch? <laughs> no, I was trying to be like uh, the SpongeBob that's seen SpongeBob where uh, the, the no, it belonged to Smitty Werbenman Jensen, and then there actually was a Smitty Werbenman Jensen. It's a pretty typical trope of comedies. They make yeah, a fake yeah, name, I mean, and then the guy actually ends up being real. That, that's that's like I like Fletch is when I think of because he comes up with all these random names because. Uh, uh, Chevy Chase. I'm sorry, have you seen that one? Yes, I have seen Fletch. Yeah, I've seen Fletch. 
uh, the whole thing where you know he's like so uh He's like, uh, what, what are your plans, Mr. Barber? It's like, uh, uh, no, that's Babar. Two Bs? Yeah, one. Uh, B, one B. B, A, B, A, R. That's two. Yeah, but not right next to each other. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant. <laughs> Arnold, Arnold Babar. Isn't there a children's book about an elephant named Babar? I don't know. I don't have any. No children? No. No elephant books. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Man, what the fuck happened to Chevy? He dropped off hard yeah as soon as the 80s ended yeah his career was over um uh, he did a few family vacation movies after i, that I heard movie. he's kind of a dick though oh i like, heard he's, he's a huge dick yeah and it and man did he age bad god he looks like chevy chase's dad now yeah. um so grace could not resist chester and inevitably discovered that she was pregnant so what were i what was i saying folks this whole time they were fucking that's what they were doing Yep. Then she became pregnant. At the time... They didn't have contraceptives back then, I don't think. Oh, so. they, they probably used goat skin or something like that. Um, <laughs> at the time, unwed... <laughs> that's fine. Uh, at, at, the t- at the time, unwed mothers were seen as outcasts. It was not uncommon for unwed women to commit suicide rather than face public shame. Yeah. Grace really. begged Chester to marry her. Chester stalled as long as he could until finally, in July of 1906... Chester took Grace out to Adirondacks. Grace assumed it was a wedding trip. At Big Moose Lake, they rented a rowboat from a man named Robert Morrison. Morrison expected them to come back around dinner time, and when they didn't come back, he thought that that was somewhat suspicious. The next morning, Morrison organized a search party. A short distance from the capsized boat, they found Grace's body. Two days later, they found Chester Gillette. Not at the bottom of a lake, but safe and sound at a nearby hotel. At first, Chester denied even knowing Grace Brown. Then Gillette claimed that she had drowned herself in despair because he didn't love her anymore. Few believed him, and he was tried and convicted on first-degree murder. March 30th, 1908, Chester died in the electric chair. Fucking A. Let's give a round of applause for the justice system back in 1908. God. Normally, a white man of prominence could do whatever the fuck they wanted back then in America. Not this time, though. Good. Glad that son of a bitch fried. Had justice been served, though? Apparently not enough to pacify the restless spirit of Grace Brown. By the way, they show him in the electric chair, and I posted this on our Facebook already. They show him in the electric chair wearing a nice suit. Like, such a in such a crude device, you know? They got the whole blindfold over him with, like, the electrodes hooked up to him. Yeah, it's, he's wearing... it's, it's, it's a, such a sharp contrast. Yeah, he's wearing his Sunday's best, you know? God, it was so weird, man. So Well, so... culture back then was different than it is now. Uh, and, you know, with the whole thing where people who had babies out of wedlock, you know, committing suicide, you know, women committing suicide because of that. That's a culture thing. That's the impact that culture had on their lives. And uh, it, it's this is the kind of stuff that really does make you appreciate, you know, what you have and, and that you're living in the era that you're living in. So I know a lot of people look back and say, like, oh, some people like try to reminisce and and look back at the golden age, you know, say like when things were better and things were, you know, simpler back then. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people don't really know a lot about and probably would not want to be living in that era if they, you know, if they actually were living in that era, knowing knowledge of what it's like to live in, you know, 
modern day. I mean, given the kind of guy I am and the kind of stuff I'm interested in, the like the earliest time where I could even somewhat enjoy life would be like an adult in like the 1970s. Yeah. Anything before that, I'm just like, what am I going to do? They don't you know, I mean, I'm thinking in the 70s, they got all those sweet vintage guitars and keyboards and stuff I could get my hands on for a cheap price. So that would be fun. Uh, a lot of the music I like would be coming out during that time. And I could see a lot of these bands in their heyday. That would be cool. But aside from that, I mean, computers were still in the future and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't li- I couldn't live before the 70s, honestly, and have a good time with it. Um, so now after... You know, they fry Chester. We flash forward to current times again on Moose Lake. Linda Lee Mackin had her own experience with Grace Brown a few months after Rhonda Busilos, or whatever her name was. At the time, Linda Lee and her childhood friend chose Moose Lake as their hangout spot for one of their reunions. From the start, Linda Lee felt on edge. Quote, I wasn't thinking ghosts. I just felt very uncomfortable. And I felt like if I looked out a window or looked in the mirror, I was going to see something I did not want to see. Now, that struck me as a, as kind of a curious quote because kind of already, aren't you? Isn't through the power of suggestion, you're already kind of setting yourself yeah. up to see something? I mean, that's what I would think if you're... Yeah. So, on the second night... Linda Lee tried to ignore her feelings of unease and even tried strolling around on her own. Walking down by the lake with uh, her flashlight, the light started getting dimmer and dimmer. By the time she got to the bank, the flashlight wasn't even working. So, not only did she not have a light, but she was staying out in the dark without a companion. So she got her friend Bridget to come along back with her out there. Bridget didn't want to uh, take uh, Lee's concern seriously, but she decided to be a good sport and accompany her. So then they're out there by the lake, and they're observing the lake when all of a sudden a thick mist appeared over the lake, a ribbon of smoke that hovered near them and called to their attention. In the midst of the uh, mist, a ghostly apparition formed over the water. It was Grace Brown. Quote, I was awestruck, and not only was I certain that I was looking at a ghost... And also, I had a very strong feeling of sadness. Um, she was very sad, the, the person that she was seeing, Grace. Yeah, ghost. no no shit. She's very sad. <laughs> yeah. um, so, had Linda Lee seen a ghost, or, it had, or had it been her overwrought imagination? The next day, at the Koval Lodge, Linda Lee spotted memorabilia about Grace Brown uh, in, the, in the lounge. And at that point, she knew it was Grace Brown that she had seen. The story of Grace Brown provided fodder for not only A Place in the Sun, but also Theodore Drodger's novel, An American Tragedy. But both Which is the movie is based on. Yeah. Uh, both versions were very sympathetic to Chester, Chester Gillette, portraying Grace Brown as a woman of easy virtue. Again, Unsolved Mysteries, fantastic writing of calling her a whore. Um, easy <laughs> virtue. Uh, perhaps that is why Grace continues to ha- haunt Moose Lake. Perhaps that is why she cannot rest. And she's like, I'm not a slut. Get that straight. <laughs> she just appears in this ghostly mist and she's looking all looming and like, you know, mysterious. And then, uh, and then turns like, around and says, I am not a whore. I'm not a slut, guys. <laughs> Cut it out. It's mean. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know if I'd be as afraid of her at that point. I'd be like, wow. 
kind of a bratty, aren't you? I thought ghosts were supposed to be scarier. <laughs> but no, I mean, if that, you know, that's shitty. But hey, the the guy got his his comeuppance, which that's awesome. I mean, that guy. I mean, when I saw when I when I saw that on the show, I was like, that's fantastic that they electrocuted his ass for that. I mean, he murdered her and they killed him. I wonder if he's related to the Gillette guy. <laughs> I feel like he would, because dude, a lot of these companies that are out on our store shelves nowadays have been around since the early 1900s. So it probably is the uh, same affiliation with the Gillette Shaving Company, which we have in the U.S. I don't know if you have it anywhere else. Probably would. They're a pretty big company. Um, so yeah, um, that was a great ghost story, I think. Uh, yeah. not, not my favorite by any means, but it was a good ghost story nonetheless, and I think the they whole, did a good job with the effects of the ghosts and everything. Yeah, and, I didn't hate it. Uh, I thought it looked better than some of their earlier efforts. Um, thought it was a good pick. Probably would have gotten to this one eventually myself. Um, I loved the movie tie-in. Um, the kind of like um, celebrity kind of nature of this case. Well, yeah, and also the movie is much different than the actual case, which is why I think, hey, we could use another adaptation you know, There's that's actually probably. closer to the real thing. I could probably see that being a lifetime original movie, but I don't, I don't see it having the interest in getting a greenlit as a uh, national release. But it was not a bad idea, nonetheless. Um, Scorn lovers always make good uh, stories, and the fact that she, I, came... I could see them like updating it and messing it up even more, and making it some PG thirteen jump scare horror film. Yeah, true. Um, so I think, I think that's it for this week. That. Uh, for the uh, cases. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, Mike? Yeah, I would say so. All right. Well, uh, as I said before, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, I am youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Mike is youtube.com slash OCP communications. We have a YouTube channel for our unsolved um, unexplained mysteries. <laughs> uh, whoops. Uh, Freudian slip there. Uh, it's youtube.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. There is literally no bonus content there yet, but go ahead and subscribe, folks. You never know. We're going to throw some stuff up there in the future. It's got our podcast on there um, right now because some people, for whatever reason, prefer listening to uh, podcasts on YouTube sometimes. Um, some people enjoy um, eating their pizza with a fork and knife as well. There's different strokes. I only do things. that if it's too soggy to the point where, or there's so much grease and stuff that it's like, or there's too much sauce. If there's too much sauce, I can't really eat it with my hands because it would just go everywhere because then the cheese is just going to fall off the pizza and onto my lap, so I just go in and The pizza is really the perfectly engineered food to burn the fuck out of the roof of your mouth. I can't think of a more beautifully designed food because you have the you bite into the pizza and you have the cheese which is kind of a, well, a grilled cheese sandwich might be pretty you know effective well i know hear me out it, on this one i think pizza is the perfect candidate because the cheese holds the sauce in initially just until the right moment that you bite into it and then i guess the pressure from breaking apart the the bite of pizza from the other you know the rest of the piece of pizza yeah it forces the sauce out through some hole in the cheese right smack dab into the roof of your mouth. And the, the sauce is kept hot from the lack of ventilation because it's got this layer of cheese over it. 
So yeah. it's really the perfectly designed. I don't know what pizza <laughs> you eat. Pizza that's like cooked in a DiGiorno, in a my friend. Or DiGiorno pizza will burn the shit out of the roof of your mouth. Well, I I, I don't I don't eat DiGiorno. Like I, I you know I I get delivery, so it's not delivery. Yeah, no, it is delivery. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. No shit, it's not delivery. We can all <laughs> taste the difference between a grocery store pizza and fucking. I, I love that that advertisement. Pizza. Is, is hilarious. It's like the it's biggest not delivery. It's a Giorno. It's the biggest <laughs> no shit phrase in advertising. It's not delivery. Uh, yeah, we all knew that. We all know when it's a DiGiorno pizza kind of night versus when it's a uh, well, not. They, I think you were trying to say it's it tastes like it's real, you know, delivery pizza. I know. Like they it were doesn't. trying to go. Yeah, exactly. Not saying it's a bad pizza. It's a fine pizza. If DiGiorno, if there's anybody who works for DiGiorno out there, I would love if you sponsored us. By the way. Something I haven't brought up, and I'm obviously not very serious about if I'm bringing it up at the very end of the podcast. If anybody does want to sponsor on here, uh, we are definitely open for that. Um, of course, you'd have to pay us some kind of money for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a few thousand listeners to this podcast. So, I mean, your brand would get out to some people. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, let us know. Uh, you can email us, joshcannon01 at yahoo.com, or message us on the uh, Facebook page. Any hoozles, uh, me and Mike are going to go off and record the uh, update to the Frederick Valentic case, which you can find on our Patreon and subscribe on there if you want to hear that update. Uh, but besides that, I uh, hope that you enjoy the rest of your week. And um, is there anything special coming? Oh, fuck, Valentine's Day. Oh, it's going to be a fun one for me. I'm so lonely, I could cry. <laughs> yeah, so. On yeah, that definitely. note, um, I am That's definitely one of those, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those days where I'm going to be alone again without you, alone right. again And now, a, gen- a Genesis, uh, Phil Collins era <laughs> song. And I know that I'll be all alone again, alone again tonight. All right, God, what are we doing Having fun, that's why. That's true, we are having fun. That's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. Good, clean Uh, fun. Yeah, but yeah, thanks for listening, and yeah, see ya.